You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Final instant reaction pod of the season. What's up? What's happening? Welcome in to Take Command from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Logan, in a season with 17 games, the Commanders have somehow figured out how to finish 500. I mean, that's awesome. Like, I, I <laughs> golly, like it was like, a, I didn't know what to expect. I, I was a little, I was a little uh, less than optimistic this week. Yeah. But- Man, like, holy cow, good for them. Way to come out. I know this doesn't mean anything in, like, the grand universe of winning football games, but I got the sense that Dallas was trying to win this game in the first half, at least. You know, maybe the first three quarters. And, you know, that, you know, it wasn't like they were walking out the backups. So, uh, good for them. And, I, I mean, I feel much better about the offseason, I'll tell you, that they're not going in on a, what is that, a, how many game losing streak would that have been? Five game losing streak? Yeah, well, you have the the, the old soccer terminology, winless streak, uh, because yes. they had the tie in there. Uh, they were 0-3-1 over the last four, right. so now 1-3-1, which when you say it that way isn't much better. But I don't know, man. Like I, I got to say, I'm conflicted, because at the, yeah. I, I said this on the show during the week. I said, you're going to get to the game Sunday, and you're going to have spent all week telling yourself, it's better to lose, it's better to lose, it's better to lose. And ultimately, it cost them two draft spots. Not a huge deal. Um, could so have what is been, that, 14? What are they? What uh, are they they're, they're now 16, actually, is, is where they're going to wind up <laughs> drafting, or drafting uh, assuming they hold on to the pick uh, this year. But uh, it would have been 14 if they lost. It could have been higher if other teams had had different right. results today. But by the time they took the field, there actually wasn't that much to see there uh, so Mm -hmm. to speak but uh, either way like it just it doesn't matter and then you're going to get into the game and you're going to get into the usual emotions of a football game and you're going to want Sam Howell to do well and you're going to want to want them to win no matter how badly you know that it's not actually the best thing for the franchise long term because draft draft position matters and that's the only thing that was going to be affected in terms of the commanders football wise from the outcome of the game but emotionally I would still say, Logan, I'm conflicted. And the reason is pretty simple. And I w- we will get into Sam Howell's performance and some of the details. And I know that's what most people are clicking on this podcast for. But I got to say, man, watching them play with that amount of intensity and discipline yeah. and everything in a game that means nothing, the week after they laid 
a pretty significant egg, at least offensively last week. It it sucks. It just sucks. And um, I don't I don't know fully what to do with it. Um, Ron was asked about it pretty early on in his press conference, and he got he got pretty touchy about it, basically saying like, "Don't question their effort. They played hard last week, and it just didn't go their way." And there's probably more truth to that than most fans would like to admit. And the quarterback yeah. play was so bad, and the play calling was so bad, and they just they weren't set up for success last week. Um, but watching that game today, remind being reminded like what the better version of this football team looks like seeing frankly what it looks like with a quarterback who can make some plays playing well or at least decently making plays not even playing great it just yeah. it felt like he played great because it's been so bad it was it was nice feeling to go into the offseason that way but also it's frustrating as hell yeah yes so a couple things let's unpack that for a second i do think that this is valuable i know that people want to say oh we want higher draft picks but Going into the offseason with a little bit of momentum, beating a rival, beating the second best team in the division, like that does something for you. I know it's like I'm, you know, there's no way to kind of categorize the touchy feely emotions of, of a football team, but that can kind of spark you, you know, in going into the next season, a nice big win like that late in the year. So I think that that is something that, as much as people want to say, oh, we, we lost two draft spots and that could be the difference between player X and player Y, um, I really look at this and I say to myself, like, Probably two of the top tackles will be available. There's some good DBs available. If you want a quarterback, one might fall to you there. So not the end of the world. If you want to trade up, you probably could from that spot. Um, but again, like I think that this has value. And I think the other thing that's really valuable about this is just watching the young guys just play like their hair was on fire. You know, Percy Butler running all over the field. Kalik Hudson, the first signs of life we've seen from him in a long time. So that was great yeah, to see. That outside was of pretty wild. Outside of special teams, you know what I mean? So, so to see him on the field in defensive reps playing well. Um, John Ridgeway was an absolute man-child for the first probably four or five drives of that game before he got hurt. The backup number 79 was like swim, quick swimming, like Nick Martin, one of the best guards in the game. Um, you know, Kendall Fuller looked like that dude again. Uh, Forrest, I think, I don't know what it is, just adding that piece in the secondary, that cam curl piece, for like which Percy kind of took over today, let Forrest kind of settle in, let Bobby kind of settle back into their normal spots. And then Danny Johnson played great. So I think defensively, I mean, obviously, I think you need to acknowledge the fact that that the Cowboys offense was bad today. Yeah, it I mean, Dak, Dak Prescott was literally one of the worst <sighs> – one of the worst of his career, performance-wise. I mean, it was his career low in completion percentage. Absolutely. And, but I do think that while it's a little bit him, it's also a little bit the commander's defense, and they deserve some credit. And then to your point about the uh, about them playing hard last week, I definitely think the dudes played hard last week against Cleveland. And I think that's hard for fans to kind of internalize because they lost and it looked so bad. But when I pull clips for, the, for Coach's show, I watch every single snap, offense and defense. And there were so many positive defensive snaps I'd say there was probably six bad ones, and every other one was just like, wow, look at this guy shed this block, butt this guard, look at this tackle by Jamin, look at Payne, you know what I mean? And and that is a good sign, you know what I mean? And so to Ron's point, I think that's 100% right, and I think to your point, the quarterback play last week was such that it was kind of non-tenable from an offensive standpoint. So, um, and you mentioned the play calling, we'll get into that more later, but I do think that this game was was great to see. Great to see those young guys, so obviously the win has its kind of psychological advantages for the young guys to see them step up in those roles was huge. I love to see Patterson out there. That was great. Um, and then obviously Sam Howell, I think he deserves some credit and it, 
and we can we can, do you want to talk about this now or we want to talk about it later i was gonna say yeah let's get into it that's what most people are, are here for you know set the timestamp, matt let's make sure this is in the in the description uh so people can just fast forward through everything else we've said and get to the part that they want how do you think sam howell played because undeniably he made plays it doesn't take a genius to figure that out it doesn't take someone who played 10 years like yourself to play that out and i i guess logan my prediction uh, for what this will be is he made plays. It's going to look worse on tape than we think it is right now. But ultimately, like, obviously there was something there. There was the spark there, frankly, they were looking yeah. for last week with Wentz that they just didn't get. Yeah, I think that was it, like the spark. And I think, you know, there were some things. Obviously, the interception wasn't great. He had a couple footwork issues. I think I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt and say he got stepped on for one of them. Loved how he kind of manipulated the pocket. Obviously, not super complicated reads. You know, the 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 throw to Jahan is like a two man route concept. He's literally reading one route, and you're basically saying our receiver's better than your corner. He's going to get open. Jahan on the choice again. That's a one person read with the middle of the field open. Really nice play design by Scott there. You know, kudos to him and great route by Jahan. And then again, the Terry thing is the same play as the Jahan play, but he's running a go. So a, a lot of big chunks in in this offense from a passing game standpoint come off of relatively some simple stuff now it all all sam howell detractors are going to be like logan you're such a hater he needs the arm strength he needs the release he needs to get the ball there and that was the thing that really kind of stuck out to me and we talked about it on the pregame show today was the the quick release right and how that the defense just wasn't ready for that they weren't the ready ball for flies yep. out of his hand and by the way if you're someone who's been lucky enough like i have to cover the nfl or in your case, playing it, and you're around elite arm talent, that is a trait that you learn to look for. Yeah. And one of the, you know, there's certain guys that if you watch them throw pregame, I remember Aaron Rodgers, when he was here for a preseason yeah. game, watching him throw. Tell you one of the first guys I ever saw it with was, uh, was Jared Goff. There's mm -hmm. a reason that kid went 1-1 overall. The ball flies. It almost looks like it jumps out of his hand. Right. And Sam Howell has that. And to, to see that he has it on television is like it's one thing when you see it in person I and mean, i remember uh, going to games as a kid in carolina and watching cam newton throw from the 500s and the ball looked like it jumped from his hand right. to the receiver's chest and you could hear the thump of the pads from the 500 seats yeah. how has that there's other stuff that made him a fifth round pick but arm talent wise yeah. like it's it's up there it's an, he's got an a arm and i think you see again the advantage of a guy with a big arm but also a guy with a quick release. So yes. his arm, his arm in terms of power, is probably a little bit less than Carson. Like maybe they're in the same. Sphere. Right. If they were going to throw a long ball competition, Carson probably wins. Yeah. But, but if there is who can get a slant to the receiver right. fast enough or faster, that, that's what I was going to. Right. Is yeah. that like look at look at the protection with him and look how the ball is out of his hand. Like so, instead of this big long deliberate wind up, right? It's just like flick of the wrist. I'm throwing a dart. And the ball is there. And I think they're like the slant to Jahan, I thought was excellent. You know, it gets it gets tipped, shows you the power behind that ball. It's still tipped and, and hits its mark. So uh, I think that was the thing that really stood out to me. And it stood out to me in practice this week, but it's hard to know because you're like, this is basically like a glorified walkthrough. So how how right. ahead of the schedule is he? But it, it as you said, in, in, as you said on the pregame show this morning, Taylor Heineke was out there playing safety. <laughs> so it's it's hard to tell. But that that was, I think, a huge factor in terms of insulating the offensive line. And I think if you're Scott, you kind of say, like, this is what a version of this is. You know what I mean? Like, I think they got some more play pass. Kudos to Scott. Leaned into that a little bit more, which I like. I think they, they need to do that. But I think you see kind of what this offense can do in terms of stretching the field, 
with that guy, with that elite trait and the ability to get his ball, the ball out quickly. Now, I think the most important element of his game that was on display tonight was simply the scrambles, right? The simply yes. the off schedule scramble stuff. Like that's something that Taylor could have brought to this offense, but for whatever reason was just he reluct- reluctant to do so or what- whatever the reason is, right? Yeah. So you get two third down conversions. You get a touchdown off a design quarterback run. And look at what Dan, like just, just make a one-to-one comparison him to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones elevates the New York Giants offense consistently, not because of the completions he makes. I mean, that's obviously a big part of what he does, but it's the scrambles. It's the design quarterback runs. And that's what Sam Howell gives you. He gives you the ability to put the defense consistently in a bind. And that's what you saw today. Now, can you do that consistently? Can he do that consistently? Can he sustain that over the course of a year? Those are all questions that remain to be outstanding. But I think you see some of the things that make people excited about him. And from a playmaking standpoint, we mentioned the rookie quarterbacks that have all played. I think he was probably the best playmaker after watching tonight of the group of guys you listed. I'm trying to remember all of them, but um, I, th- yeah, I think Pickett, that's probably true. Willis, yes, you know, just all pure, those guys. I mean, maybe not the, maybe maybe not Pickett, but definitely Purdy, Zappy, um, Desmond yeah. Ritter. The ability to elevate through kind of just go outside and you know let's let's get open by the mailbox type of stuff. Like that was pretty. It's my cool. favorite route. Yeah, it's the best one. And then I think it's interesting because you get the best of Carson from a physical standpoint and the best of Taylor kind of melded together. And you get a guy who, again, I I liked him, obviously. I like him, but I was unsure of how that would play. Um, and he came out and did a great job. I, I will say, for whatever reason, Dallas didn't pressure as much as I thought they would. I thought they would just straight, like, 100-mile-an-hour fastball every time, yeah. but they, that didn't seem to be what they wanted to do. And I think it hurt them, actually. Like, I think if, if Dan Quinn could do that again, I think he'd say, we need to put some more, uh, put the screws to this kid and um, and heat him up more. Yeah, the tape is going to be very interesting. And yeah. not that we care a lot about a lot of the tape, but, like, we're going to do the tape pod this week because mm-hmm. going in depth on what he does from a process standpoint is kind of important in the valuation moving forward. But Logan, I gotta ask. Like, I gotta. If I, I'm gonna ask this, not necessarily because well, I'm just gonna be honest. Like, I don't know what the right answer to this question is, but right. I know fans are gonna ask it. Mm. If he plays earlier, does this season look different? Because okay. the the thought from that the people that are going yes, obviously, duh, is exactly what you just said, which yeah. is that it it's the playmaking that you wanted out of Wentz, the bigger arm, all that kind of stuff, the mobility of Heineke. Like it's the two guys melded together into one, which is what they were seemingly searching for all year. And the thought was how couldn't be that guy because he was missing a different ingredient that those two had, which was experience. And that was going to cause him to make mistakes. And look, he did make mistakes tonight. Like the, the red zone interception, um, is bad. I want to say like Wentz or Heineke wouldn't make it because, well, we watched the other 17 games this year or the other 16 games this year, and we've seen them make their fair share. But the idea that, oh yeah, maybe he actually is the best of both of those guys, which still only gets you 169 yards. Um, but in a game where you have a pick six and you have some short fields, like yeah, I think- there's some, there's some data manipulation happening there in terms of the statistics, but like, is it fair to at least ask that question? I mean, it's fair to ask the question. So again, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think the the, the special team snafus early by uh, Dallas really kind of changed the landscape of this game. And uh, obviously, there's no there's no denying that the pick six is a huge variable. I think what was the total offensive production today? It was three field goals and uh, a touchdown, right? 
So what is that? Yeah. Well, I mean, they also had, I mean, it could, the, the funny part is, uh, Sly left seven points on the board by Correct. himself. Yes. Um, so ultimately they score the pick six, a touchdown, a couple of field goals. Yeah, that's it. So a couple of field goals, pick six, two offensive touchdowns, six, both 16, by Hal. Uh, the, the, the oh, run this, I forgot the I forgot the run. I forgot the yeah, run. The, yeah, the so. run and the throw from Hal. Uh they they have three hundred and nine yards of total offense mm-hmm. um on sixty three plays, averaged four nine a play. Yeah, which isn't which isn't great. And I, I'm just kind of put putting my argument together here in my mind. So what I would say to you is it's not a terrible question. Um, but I do think that one of the things, one of the variables is like um that obviously Taylor was the backup, so he's gonna get the first look. But I also think that um t- defenses figure you out a little bit, right? Right. Figure out the stuff that you do a little bit. And so as much as he did a great job tonight, a little bit of that credit goes to the novelty of him. Like I remember I was playing with Jimmy Garoppolo and one of the things that really stood out to me is he hadn't played a lot when he first got to San Francisco. Is he you know he's a, he's a he, just like Sam Howell, a tremendously fast release. And you could tell the defenses weren't like ready for it. They were like, holy cow, that ball, how did he get that ball out in time? Like I should that should have been a sack or I should have been there. Right. And they and then as each week went by, you could tell they were like, okay, we got to be a little bit quicker this stuff. And they kind of started to adjust him and he struggled a little bit more. And so I do think that there is a a process that that NFL defenses go through with young quarterbacks that I'm not sure that w- that he might have experienced that. He might have been like, you know, as much as you want to say the quarterback run elevates, um, the scrambles elevate, they might have said, you know, we're not really afraid of him in these scenarios. We can put a spy on him or we can change our rush patterns or right. whatever it is. And so as you get more data, it's hard to say. Um, I think I think a good case study for this is like Sam Ellinger in uh, Indianapolis. Like they basically went to Sam Ellinger because he had more mobility and they could do quarter, more quarterback run stuff. And the commander's defense was like, cool, well, we're ready for that. So good luck. And that's kind of how Sam Ellinger's career went for the rest of the season. And so I do think there's an element of that. I mean, I would have loved to see it. I mean, if, there, if you can go back in time and run, you know, the right. multiverse simultaneously, you'd love to see what happens. Right. Uh, but I do think people forget. I think there's like this change in perspective um, that uh, <clears throat> that Taylor did a great job for five weeks of kind of yeah. elevating the group and making some plays when they had to. And was it perfect? No. But I think that there was that was weird. And then uh, people also forget, man, $28 million to a former MVP of the NFL who scored 27 touchdowns last year. So this idea that you go back to Wentz and it's like, oh, it should have been Sam Howell the whole time. I'm not necessarily buying that just from like a logistics standpoint. Right. I think this is the right time to do it. You, you, yeah. you bench Taylor, you bench Wentz. Let's see what the young bucks got. Yeah, I still think that, well, one, for record-keeping purposes, I don't think Wentz actually won the MVP in 2017. He was on pace, too, because the knee just, so you guys can delete your comments now. I will still inevitably get some, and I'm going to say, watch 15 more seconds of the video. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes... Yeah, you, you, you had a Joey, a Joey Nick Bosa mix up a couple weeks ago, and you said <laughs> you said the wrong one, and then you corrected it in the next sentence, sentence and people yeah. went nuts. I think Niners fans. So if I'm, Niners I'm, fans, if you're Niners still here fans, hanging out, sorry, yeah, what's I, up? I, we know I, it's Nick. It'll be fine. I have uh, the point. Sometimes here we go. The point is, you'd be fighting this battle between defenses figuring Sam out and Sam getting better. Yeah, and history says that for the first little bit. 
the defenses will figure it out faster than the quarterback will right. get better. Mm -hmm. And the quarterback's ability to get better ultimately determines whether or not he's a good or bad player, right? If Sam continues to elevate and defenses don't really have answers, well, that's because, oh my God, they got a steal in the fifth round and he's great. And yeah. maybe that happens. We don't know yet. That right. is on the road still to come. But when you're in the middle of a playoff race, that's not the time to find that right. out. I think the hindsight being 2020 for last week is they should have started Heineke. Like, yes. it is pretty clear yes. that going to Wentz was the wrong decision. With the data we have available now, maybe going to Howell would have been good in yeah. a must-win game, and maybe he would have done that. But I also do think that there is... And look, I, th I think Howell's a gamer. I don't think huge think pressure's going to really bother him a ton. But it is worth pointing out that on the collective of their performance... There was zero pressure for these young guys today. Yeah. And that helps them. And that's not to take away from what they did. It's just to put it in context and perspective. What happens when you need to play well mm -hmm. versus you can go out and do whatever it is and, and kind of let free? That freedom, and you know, it's on Ron and the staff ultimately to try to create that atmosphere as often as possible where guys can feel like they go play free and not be scared of making mm -hmm. mistakes. But they are human beings. And whether it's Sam, whether it's Benning, uh, the the D lineman that we were talking about, whether yep. it's David Botto, whether it's Danny Percy Johnson, Butler looked like Percy, an lunatic today. Yeah. yeah, like these guys are flying around making plays because eff it, this is our chance, and it mm -hmm. doesn't matter what happens, win or lose. No one's relying on us. It's us mm -hmm. for us and us for each other, and that's an amazing mental state to be able to go play football in, and trying to then take that performance and push it into games that matter doesn't translate. We have yes. mountains and mountains and mountains of data that suggest such. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a great point. I, um, you know, I, th I think you said something there that is very true and I think might've been the reason why they were so reluctant to play him is because he is a gamer. He seems to, when the lights come on, he seems to just be a little bit better, right? preseason same thing i remember watching in training camp and you saw the ability but you also saw a lot of the kind of whoa what was that and i'm not saying he's the he's a gamer in the same way taylor heineke is a gamer because taylor heineke in practice sometimes looks just flat bad like sam just looked like kind of middle of the road right and so for him to come out and play like that i think that is again speaks to the type of guy that he is and also being loose and having nothing to play for like we have not seen percy butler play like this since he's been here and he's been on defense before and so yeah. for him just to be out there just letting it rip I think, again, speaks to this mindset you, that you're talking about. Um, you know, uh, number 79, Billy, is that his name? Benning. Uh, Benning. Uh, Potoae, I believe, is yeah. the correct pronunciation. A lot of vowels. I, don't, I, I apologize to Benning. Uh, Ron also in his post game was like, oh, God, he played so well, and I'm going to mess up his name. So um, apologies to Benning. But we're, we're going to call him Benning because that's yeah, his first name. And, that's his first and name. We, we can get that correct. And for him just to go out there and, like, he's played before and not played that loose and not look that good. And so for him to get out there and be, like I said, quick swimming guards and, and ripping gaps and doing stuff. And even like Ridgeway did a great, like every single like kind of low, lower mid-tier roster guy just looked great. And I think a little bit of that is because of what you described. Um, and so I got a question for you. And it's something that I think is very telling about whether or not he should have started earlier. Is he okay. your starter for 2023? Sam Howell. Uh, I think it's too early to right. say. And like at the end of the day, he threw for 169 yards, but also like, 
don't know. I feel like we do need to talk about, hold on. I want to come back to this. I'm not skating your question. Okay. Yeah. What did you make of the way they called the game today? Because they only threw the ball 19 times. They rushed it today. They had 150 yards rushing, which was great, but it goes on 41 attempts. Yep. And like even down in the red zone where they kicked those field goals late, like let your guy just go for it. Like who freaking cares about the score? And I know our buddy Mark Bullock was going nuts about that on Twitter. And it's kind of like, yeah, see how he handles the situation. Just tell Sam, hey, let's see what you can do here. I would have, I would have enjoyed seeing them have a slightly more aggressive game plan, both from like, like a, I actually think that would have been a better way to play. They got in this rut in the middle of the game where yeah. it was run, run, third down, see what can happen, nothing, punt. And they got in this rut in the middle of the game. And I actually don't think it was the best way to play. Right. So when I see like 11 for 19, 169 yards, a touchdown, a pick, and a rushing touchdown, I'm like, that's a hell of a stat line considering the game they called. And if he's going to do that and they probably open it up a little bit more and he gets better, like, yeah, sure, fine. He can be quarterback one next year. But that's that's one game, and to pretend like that's how it works is naive and silly. So what did you think of how they called the game? And then we can circle back to where he fits in. I mean, I think the game was called, like we, we mentioned, the uh, the special team snafu, the pick six. Like, it's called because of that. You can be uber conservative because you're, you've, you've got a 13-point lead. Your defense is playing, like, the best they've played in a couple of weeks. Or yeah, the most. Had, by the way, they won time of possession 36-12 to 23-48. Yeah, like, the, maybe maybe not the, the, the most consistent, right? Maybe that's mm -hmm. a better way to put it. Most consistent they've played in the last couple of weeks. And so I've got a rookie quarterback. I'm going to be a little conservative. I do. I agree with you. I think that like there was that, the third quarter where they had like those two or three, maybe four, three and outs kind of back to back. And I thought this is, this is so painstakingly obvious. You're going to run the football. And then the next sequence, they were like uh, play action to Jahan choice to Jahan down in the red zone. And by the way, three. they did it out of big personnel. Yeah. Where has that yeah, yeah. been all year? Like there were right. certain things they did today that I'm just like, why now? Yeah. What on earth were you waiting for? Yeah. And so I think that that was the thing that was a little frustrating because I'm like, yeah, I understand you've got the game in the bag. You feel really good about it, but you can you can execute a good off a good conservative offense and still find chunk plays. And I think that's what they found there. I think it was like late in the third, early fourth quarter, because then the next drive is the big play to Terry. And then they were fully after that, they were like fully in neutral. For the rest of the game because it was right. like but, and that point five. yeah but i but i think like that that is something that scott has done this the staff has done i don't know if that's ron ron's influence because he's very adamant about that um to that i think could be looked at and and kind of analyzed critically this offseason saying gosh you know first down play action pass is going to be super effective it's going to be really easy they're going to be in a very simple coverage structure they're not going to blitz let's get the ball out there if it's second and ten i don't care if we run the football let's run the football we'll get to whatever what is it? Third and six, which is what we'd be at anyway, if we ran it twice. So just finding different ways, finding the rhythm of the game, I think is what I really want to see because there's elements where Scott does stuff and you're like, that is so clean and tight. And he's just, you can tell he's feeling it. He's like, I know this play, I'm going to the next play, bang, 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 bang. And then there's other times where it's like, oh, that's, it's a little bit more labored. You can feel him kind of thinking through it. Everything is kind of analyzed, overanalyzed. And I just would like him to, Scott, I'm talking about, to just say, hey, I'm feeling it. Let's go. First half of the Atlanta game. Uh, second half of the second Giants game, right? The first New York Giants game where he's just he's just dealing. He's calling play action. He knows what he's doing. He knows what the defense is going to give him. And he's got the answers as opposed to the other way around, which is what I felt like was happening here. But again, 
to, 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 to defend him. Game flow was dictating that if you want to win this game, which I think Ron did, I mean, I think that's pretty. Yeah, obvious. he did. I just think that's a stupid way to approach the game. Right. No, I, I given agree. given the fact that the score doesn't matter. Um, I thought Greg Olson had a great quote during the broadcast, and Greg obviously played under Scott in yeah. Carolina, Norv and Scott. Scott was the QB coach, uh, and then ultimately the OC when Norv stepped down in Ron's final year. He goes, Scott has a very creative mind, oh. and uh, sometimes he can overthink things. And I was like, that seems, is astute. Yeah. That yeah. is how you get to be the number one analyst on Fox is by yeah. saying things that succinctly that well. Uh, also, you know, you, you had a nice career and, you know, you're good on television and Dude. all that kind of stuff. Olsen, yeah. t- and, and your tight end, obviously. Obviously. Obviously, obviously. tight ends. Best analysts there are. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I thought that was very interesting from Olsen. Um, and I think it's correct. And, and it's kind of what we've said all year. Like, Scott is a guy that is really good on certain designs. He can get in this groove where he's awesome. And you're like, wow, you are feeling it. And then he just loses his mind. And you're like, what are you doing? The thing that was working, why did you stop it? And there was definitely moments like that today. They were on, I think in the first half, they got real sideways in the third quarter. And then all of a sudden it was like, they, they hit a reset button and came out and they came out in this formation. They haven't shown all year yeah they're in like this this full house pistol formation with two tight ends and next thing you know Jahan's running up the sideline and you're like yeah where did that come from right you, you threw out a big personnel on first down <laughs> what what yeah. the what it's i mean it's it's brilliant you know what i mean like and that's and that's you see those little moments right but they're they're usually kind of shrouded in like long moments of like Ugh, you know what i mean so like i think that's that, that's why it's so hard to say, like just say you know throw Scott out because there are elements of what he does that's really smart, really intuitive. You know they challenge defenses and like we've talked about that. You know like there's things we like, but also there seems to be long swaths of period where it's like, man, like that's that's not yeah that's the game not flow. your that's the, not your the best game feel yeah. yeah yeah um for whatever it's worth uh, I don't feel like it's appropriate to make predictions about people's jobs that feels very oh are we supposed to do that I mean I, people will do it I no. don't love doing that I mean I guess if I was like I a hate reporter talking, and I was asked, hate talking about people yeah fired. no I, I know you do and I also hate that um, realistically like it, could we make predictions based off just cold data and what we think sure um, I think at this point, folks, if you've been listening long enough, you know how we feel about the job that Scott has done. Um, and, you know, based off that, we'll see. Ron was, of course, asked about staff changes in the postgame press conference. He said those decisions will happen this week. From a schedule standpoint, Ron uh, will not speak tomorrow. They'll do locker clean out 9 a.m. Uh, so all the players will be in and out of the locker room over pro- typically it's about a three hour period. Uh, that the reporters are in there as the guys clean out their lockers and speak and and do that. And then Martin Mayhew and Ron are scheduled to speak on Tuesday at a time TBD. I would imagine that if they're going to make a change, they do it by then. Um, although there's a chance they could do it right after. But I, to me, it seems like, you know, you, you, you make that, you have so much of the data already, like right. whether it's Scott or someone else, like you've been working with them all year. You have a feel for how it's gone. Um, I'd hope that the last game doesn't influence that too much. It's not like you're going back and rewatching every game and being like, oh, should we? Because you eventually have to get started on this stuff. Um, like you have to get started on the hiring process. Um, and you also want to give guys chances to get other jobs. So these things tend to happen pretty quickly. 
um, if they're going to happen. Uh, so I would imagine by Tuesday, if there's a new going to be a new offensive coordinator or any other changes uh, next year, that we will know. Um, of course, tomorrow is considered Black Monday in the NFL, so changes will be happening around the league tomorrow, um, and we'll see how that all goes. All right, you think back to will, your yeah. Go ahead. Do you think this this game affects Ron's decision at all? I, I know it probably shouldn't, but do you think it will? Um, Yes, I frankly do. I don't know that it'll be enough to sway him. Like, I right. tend to think that Ron has made up his decision. And again, I just said we're not going to do predictions. But I I do not think that Scott will be back next year based mm-hmm. off of how things went in key moments. Um, right. That said, I do think Ron can... If Ron was looking for a reason to convince himself to keep Scott, and he's a very loyal guy, which is admirable right. as a human and sometimes not serve it doesn't serve him well as a coach but is right. admirable as a human trait right it reflects well of ron's character um he can look at some of the stretches today and go if i can just get him to do that more often and i right. think this is often where ron has gotten himself in trouble with including like with carson this year frankly yeah. where you convince yourself that if you could just get the good parts more often instead of realizing that the mark of how good someone is as a player or coach at this level is how consistent they are Right. not how talented, what their upside is, then you'd be in better shape. And I think yeah. if Ron was on the fence and leaning towards look, you know, getting Scott or bringing Scott back, he could see enough in this performance to do that. If he was looking the other way, I don't, it would be, I don't think it would be enough to save him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, everyone talks about Ron's loyalty as I kind of in a negative way, but I do think there are elements of like, you know, Jamin and Forrest and some of these guys that have come along because Ron's impatient with them, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously three years is different than a year or whatever it was with Jamin and, uh, or Forrest or any of these other guys. So, you know, I, I I'm not going to make a prediction on it. I, you know, I, whatever happens, I hope it's the best for the organization, best for Scott and it works out for everybody. But, um, yeah, man, it's going to be a, a tough couple of days for not only this team, but teams around the NFL for sure. No doubt. All right. Last thing, uh, to circle back to your question. What is Sam Howell next year? Ron was asked about a post game, as you would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, uh, he was asked, is he QB one next year? He like, he'll QB, he'll be QB something. I'm not going to put a number on it, <laughs> um, which is a, a pretty funny answer from Rivera. Yeah. Um, to me, he's QB two. Yeah. And depending on who you bring in, he gets a chance to compete to be QB one. Um, I think he showed enough today that he should be able, like, especially if you bring in a, a let's call it a low level veteran. Yeah. You bring in someone in the Marcus Mariota class and you just go, hey, look, here's here's my thing on quarterback. I'll just I'll say this now. I will say it. I'll be saying it again on the radio and on this podcast moving forward. The one thing I would commit to today for quarterback is not spending a lot of money on it. Hmm. I think this team, as currently constructed, has a chance to be good if they can get competent quarterback play with the occasional big play. Right. And I think re-signing Deron Payne building out the offensive line is a better path forward than spending a ton of money on quarterback and skimping in other areas and hoping that your quarterback can bail you out. Because as we learned this year, uh, even though it worked in reverse, like they spent a bunch of money at quarterback, that guy got hurt. Yeah. And like, it's too risky. I would rather go with a more sustainable strategy unless you can somehow get a sure thing. And that's just not going to be available this off season. Um, Even like, look, the best, possible outcome of spending big is signing Lamar Jackson to a large contract. Lamar hasn't played in two months. Yeah. And so at, at the end of the day, I would rather not spend a lot of money 
And whether it's a guy like David Blau, who played decently well last week in Arizona, I didn't see how he played today. Well, like you watch that guy and you're like, oh, he's got a decent little arm. He's picked up the offense pretty quick for for Kingsbury out there. Um, you know, or Marcus Mariota or someone that costs you $10 million or less. Yeah. If it's that kind of player, Sam Howell gets to compete with that guy. And I would probably, if today, put money on Sam Howell beating that guy out. Yeah. Um, if it's a yeah. rookie that you draft in the first round, Sam Howell is your backup. I was going to say, yeah. And you also got- need to bring in a veteran to, to round out the room. Yeah, do you think that veterans? I mean, this is so early in the offseason, but do you think that veteran could be Taylor Heineke? Or I think it could you... be. I think it could be. Um, yeah. I think Taylor... I, I get why Taylor would want to go. Um, I think there is something a little bit to the celebrity backup thing that you talked about. That yeah. pissed a lot of people off. But I'm like, when were you at the stadium last week when they were chanting Heineke, Heineke? But if it's the right circumstances right. where Taylor is the backup to a first-round pick, that's not happening. Right. The problem is Taylor's not going to want to be the three. He's going to want to go somewhere and get a chance to start two. and be the two or whatever. And so I feel like it's a tough situation to bring Heineke back. But if you could, and especially if you bring Turner back, yes, I would prefer, I think, I would deal with the celebrity stuff. Um, and right. that's not that's not a shot at Taylor, really. It's a shot, if anything, at the fan base and how they react to Taylor. Um, yeah. You know, no, I, would, I, I, would, I would bring Taylor back. That's interesting because it's almost like, um, I was going to say, the because uh, you can't bring Taylor and Sam back together because then there's no then Sam's the starter, right? Is that the way you kind of look at it? Or do Yeah. You think, like if, yeah. if you're ready to make Howell QB one and Taylor's like, yeah, I'll be QB two. Um, yeah. Then sure. That could, that could work. I don't think that that's a, that doesn't seem, I, like don't, th- I don't feel like that's smart. Yeah. I think you, I, I agree. You need to bring someone in to compete for the position. I don't think he should just walk into that. You know, he played well today, but like he's a fifth one draft pick. Yeah. And it's one game. It's one data point. Um, I, I don't think this precludes them from drafting a quarterback either. I think that's still on the table. Um, that's a very interesting proposition, I think, if, if they are to draft a quarterback. 16, from what I've been reading, there are some guys that might slip to you. The kid from Florida might slip to that spot. The kid from Stanford will definitely be a, available, probably more of a second-round pick. So interesting interesting conundrum um, to be in. But then there, it goes back to your question. is like, can can you build around – Sam Howell. Like if you got, let's say you got an offensive lineman, you let's say you got a free agent guard, you drafted an offensive tackle, um, and then you got a big free agent uh, cornerback or drafted a cornerback in the in next year's draft. Like that team's pretty stacked all of a sudden, you know. Yeah, and you re-sign Payne, whether it's on the franchise yeah. tag or a long-term deal. Chase comes back. He he's looked good on every game he's played. Yeah. Um, you know, Montez has a couple monster plays today and reminds you of who he is. John comes back. Jamin's back. You probably need another linebacker. Um, but again, that's a position they've de-emphasized um, in terms of importance. Yeah. Cam comes back. Like, yeah, yeah I, I, I think you're young in pieces good, there. Yeah, the if the end. tight ends develop and they ever actually throw them the ball. Yeah, I mean, that's it. And, you know, we haven't even talked about Curtis Hodgins, who's still on the team, you know, yeah. and like they like a lot. And I don't think that bodes super well for Logan Thomas coming back, but we'll yeah, get into that. I don't think, yeah, I don't think he's coming back, but that's a different conversation. So the pain thing I think is interesting too, and we've talked about this a little bit. I almost think it'd be better to franchise tag him because I don't think you're going to have enough money to pay him long term. So franchise tag and then trade, and then you get two first round picks this year. Um, I think that. What do you think about that? Was something I, I mean, if to you can up. get the if you can get the two first rounders, that's appealing. I will say, I think. I'm on record as saying re-signing Payne is pretty close to a must. 
because I think what makes this defense special is those two dudes together. Right. It is just so much different than any other team can put out there, and it, they wreak so much havoc that I think it is worth it to be that invested at that position. Now, I do think that probably winds up costing you Montez or Chase moving forward, Right. but I would I be say. okay with that. Well, the like, other thing I, I think what you proved this year, just real quick to wrap that thought, I think what you proved this year is if you have one of those guys and the a James Smith Williams, a Casey Tuhill, and FA Obata level player, you can still be hella good across the offensive line. Yeah, but it's a, I think it's, I think the same thing. Or defensive is, line. Yeah, the same thing is true though, because I think if you take like even today, you have Payne Ridgeway to start the game, and that front looks like he doesn't miss a beat, you know. And so I think having one elite interior player and then two elite edge players or whatever it is. I think is also something to consider, but I do think, I think right now with how he played pain played, people are going to be willing to give up a lot to get him. Like he, he was probably top five at the position. You know, I think that's, that's fair to say. I'd have to go back and watch like the kid from uh, Miami who had a great year, but you know, of the guys that are in, in my head, probably top five at the position. And you say to yourself, like, we won't be able to sustain this long term. So can we get a first round pick? Can we pick another defensive, t- whatever it is? I do think whatever it is, you need to make sure you get some type yeah. of value for him instead of letting him walk. I mean, play. I will say this Ridgeway playing well all year probably has some level. And I don't want to get too far into this in part because we have all off season um, right. to talk just, about it. But like talking ball, yeah. you got Phil Mac Mathis second rounder from last year, waiting yeah. in the wings, Ridgeway, Allen, like that's a pretty good front. Uh, yeah. Or, pretty good rotation of interior guys. Nevertheless, if you were to draft one more, um, or if you think like David Botta or whoever can be your right. fourth. Um, and then if sweat and, you know, young and you, James is still here for another year, Casey, yes. Casey and James are the same yeah. year. So same Casey's year. got two years or no. So yeah. they're the same year. So Casey and James both have one more year. Right. Um, I mean, you're looking, you're looking that, at a pretty, pretty good. Front. For, uh, so again, like just, if you can, and again, that first round pick that you could get, I, I legitimately think you could probably get a first and a third for him off the franchise tag and then they'll take up they'll pick up his deal or they'll, they'll give him the extension right uh, that's that's a big deal especially with carson the stuff you gave up for carson especially if you want to that's move true. around for a quarterback that's like, true it's a big piece so that's something that i'm gonna i think is gonna be really compelling this offseason i know we're like way ahead on that yeah but. i mean it's something that we'll spend a lot more time on uh in fact we'll probably do multiple shows almost entirely on that topic right. the way yeah. uh these things tend to go in the offseason i certainly will do entire radio shows on it it feels like but there's also like levels of good decisions it doesn't like if re-signing pain will work out for you trading pain yeah. for a first and a third should probably also work out for you so right. they're they're in a good position there um no matter how that winds up all right uh we've actually done a lot more than i anticipated for this podcast but that's <laughs> fine um there's so much to talk about i will say uh doing this off a win does feel better uh, there's no yeah. doubt like emotionally that that is true as for where we all go from here we'll all go together uh, the good news is that this podcast is not going anywhere. Uh, starting th- or starting next week, we will get into our off-season rhythm. This week, we will kind of do the same thing that we have been. Um, so Wednesday, we will look back. I'm going to say we're going to look back at the tape, mostly how, but we'll also get into some of Chris Paul, how he played, mm. uh, Percy Butler, some of these other young guys, how they played. And then, obviously, whatever news comes out of Open Locker Room on Monday and Rivera and Mayhew's press conference on Tuesday, we'll react to that as well friday we can kind of do instead of a game preview an off-season preview uh and then next week we will get into like we can do you know 
what do they do with Deron Payne? We can do the quarterback discussion. Like we'll have all these off season podcasts. We'll talk a little bit of playoffs as well. Uh, we'll have some of our friends back on when I say our friends, like not just random, random buddies, but John Kime, Sam Fortier from the Washington post is someone I know we've both been talking to about some X's and O stuff that Sam's had in some pieces that are really, really excellent work by Sam. And I want to have him on the podcast so we can go super deep on that. Um, Nikki Javala is fantastic. Michael Phillips, who's on with me every week on Mondays. We haven't had him on the pod in a while. So like we'll have everybody on, we'll try to reconnect with some of our, uh, national friends too. um, Eric Edholm for sure. Uh, who's NFL media's draft guru. Uh, and I've had Eric on shows for years when he was back with Yahoo. So as we get in more towards the prospects, like Eric is kind of my top of mind guy that, that we'll cool. have on. And, uh, so we'll be doing plenty of stuff here on take command. Uh, so with that, make sure you're subscribed everywhere that you are consuming this product right now, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, or any other podcast platform. If you're watching it, youtube.com slash one or at 1067 the fan is where you get the full episodes. I've got clips as well at Craig Hoffman on YouTube. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, not just, not just today, but all season long. Uh, I mean, we were one of the first podcasts in our network that launched back in April and to watch this thing grow. Uh, through the off season and then ultimately into the season has been so much fun. The community that we built, people commenting, people sending us, you know, messages on Instagram and, and Twitter and, and the whole thing, calling into the radio show. Um, I feel like this podcast really took off over the last month and, and watching that happen has been really cool. So hopefully we continue that growth in the off season. Uh, so long story short, if you like it, tell a friend and tell them to fr- tell a friend too. Uh, for Logan, I'm Craig. We'll see y'all in a couple of days right back here on Take Command.